0: Amen. Your mic should be fixed now. sorry about that. I did not hear any audible gasps, so maybe you all knew, but Aaron is pregnant again. And our kids will yeah, and our Our kids are going to be like 10 months apart, so I'll let you do the math, but this one was not as planned as the first two, but that's okay. Um, so anyways. It's good to see you. How's everybody doing? Can you actually turn this mic down a little bit guys? I think it's a little bit loud. Um, all right. So today we're going to be talking about conduit worship. Um, and so has anyone ever experienced computer problems? I think that I have been, um, I don't know if the word is cursed. I wouldn't use the word cursed, But I think I've run into some bad luck because I raz on people who don't own Apple products. And so now my MacBook Pro is in New York City getting fixed, and my iMac at home decided it only wanted to let me print draft number one of this message. So you're getting draft number one, and uh, but I, I do believe that it's good to go, and it's going to be awesome. So um, yeah, so here's the thing: uh, almost exactly two months ago, two months ago, yesterday, I shared a message here. All the pastors did not, uh, maybe they did, I don't think so, though they did not communicate their vacations and they all took them the same weekend. So I got to preach and I called the message Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And this is how cool my pastors are. They're gonna let me preach again anyways. So, and and not just once, but twice. I'm gonna be uh, sharing next week as well. So we're gonna be diving into worship uh, today and next week. And really the idea behind it is what is it? Why do we do it? Where did it come from? And most importantly to me, what's the closest to my heart is what are we shooting for here at Conduit with what we call Conduit worship. So this is going to be really fun, really practical, and my hope and my prayer is to set a tone for this ministry, not just the worship, the music part of this ministry, but the worship or the ministry in general here, Conduit North, um, eventually wherever else God leads us. I don't believe this is our only church plant. I believe it's our first church plant, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit more. But before we, um, before we do that, I think we need to lay some groundwork. So I named this message today, not quite as exciting as Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, but um, I named, I would call it Worship, Who Said Anything About Music? Okay? Um, and Pastor Ben alluded to that. Um, if that confuses you, we are right on track. Um, in, in church circles, and I think just in religion, in general worship is the time at the beginning or the end of the service that we do music, right? That's what we call worship, like they kind of have become synonymous. Um, Or maybe we'll have a special service and we'll make a special graphic and it'll say conduit worship night and when you come, all we do is sing, right? So it would make sense that the two have become um, synonymous. But worship is so much more than just music maybe because us musicians are kind of whack baskets anyways and we're willing to just get up in front of people and do our thing. That's why it's become synonymous. But worship is so much bigger than just music. So um, my hope is to explain that. So I think um, to do that, let's have a little fun. Let's pretend this is a completely hypothetical situation that did not just happen. Let's pretend that, that we just read through the story of Christ's life together as a group of people. Not as a church, just maybe a bunch of people that wanted to study this guy Jesus, see what he's all about, see what he's teaching. If we were going to do that, we would probably choose one of the first four books of the New Testament, right? Nobody's catching on yet. So um, those are called the Gospels. They account Christ's life. They tell his story. Let's just say we randomly land on Luke, and we decide to read through Luke for like 18 months to study this guy Jesus. Who would do that, right? Now you're getting it. Okay. So, if we were gonna do something that crazy and study that book for 18 months, we would get to the end, which we did last week, if you're new, we just did an 18 month study on the book of Luke, Um, we would get to the end and this is what we would be left with. We would have marching orders, we would have directions, we would have next steps, okay? Jesus Christ was on a specific mission and he wasn't going to leave his people wondering what's next, all right? So do me a favor, turn in your Bibles to Luke Chapter 24, real fast, I promise, and then we'll move on. I know you thought we were done with Luke. Uh, Luke 24, verse 44. Okay. Um, Here, Jesus explains that all of the things written about him in the Old Testament had to happen, they had to be fulfilled in order for his sacrifice to have been legitimate. There were no shortcuts to redeeming human race. Jesus had to pay the full price. That's verse 44. I'll come back and read it in a second. If we keep reading, he goes on to show them how to read and understand the scriptures. If you go to verse 45, it says, he went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read the scriptures and understand. Um, He then promises them in verse 49 that the Holy Spirit is coming soon. To empower their actions. Verse 49, I am sending what my Father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. All right? Um, If you go to other gospels, if you wanted to branch out and see what Matthew or Mark or John had to say, you could go to Matthew 28, and uh, in verse 19 and 20, the Great Commission, the Great Co-mission, says, go out then and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and know that I will be with you always from now until the end of time. And then back over in Luke, we are told that as he returns to heaven, this would be verses 50 through 53, 52 and 53, as he returns to heaven, his mission completed, they worshipped him and return to Jerusalem with great joy. All right? This is going to be really good. Bounce back up to verse 44, and let's start going down this worship road together. Jesus says in verse 44, all the things must be fulfilled, those written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Okay? In the Psalms. Those three words uh, stuck out to both Pastor Ben and Pastor Corey as they prepared last week's message. They both said that this was the first time that they noticed the book of Psalms mentioned here. Okay, I'm not going to pretend that I knew it was there. I honestly hadn't read it closely enough to let it stick out to me. Uh, but they both made that comment last Saturday when we were going over the service for Sunday. Um, so I will say this. If you've spent any time around me in the last year and a half almost, Um, I have spent a lot of time in the Psalms, like I've been reading through them in order, no schedule, no agenda, I'll just open my Bible and read, and just read, and that's what I'll do. So there's a really good chance you've heard me talk about the Psalms, there's a really good chance I maybe even have sent you some encouraging verses from the Psalms, uh, because they have really been my go-to for a while, they're just loaded with promises from God. Um, So we're going to look no further, this is where we're going next, if you wonder what's after Luke, we're going to go Psalms, okay? We're going to look no further than the original book on worship for these next couple of weeks. Um, We're going to let our study in the book of Luke direct our next steps, and we're going to grow in our understanding of worship. So go right now to Psalm 122. I'll give you a second to turn there, and I'll get another drink of coffee. Alright, while you're finding your way over there, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Disclosure, I am not an expert on history or biblical history or anything like that. This is just my understanding of stuff I've read in the last 10 days, so do not... um, I don't know the word. Just give me a little grace on this, okay? In case I get something wrong. All right. In the year 1980, there was a professor-slash-pastor who wrote a book on discipleship, and he based his book on what is known as the Songs of Ascent. Jerusalem was the highest city in Israel. And every year the Israelite people would return to Jerusalem three different times for three different feasts. One was the Feast of the Passover, one was the Feast of Jubilee, and I'm not an expert on biblical history, so I don't remember the third one, but there was three. And they would go there, and on their way, they would sing these songs in order, 120 through 134 are the Songs of Ascent, there's 15 of them. they would uh, sing them in order as they ascended to Jerusalem. Um... You can find them starting in Psalm 20. Here's the thing, they take you on a very specific journey if you read them in order. Like one builds, the nec- one builds on the one before it and so on and so on. It's like stairs, okay? So um, here is what is cool to me. This might not be cool to you, but I'm gonna share it anyways because it kind of will set up where I'm gonna be teaching from and stuff. This professor slash pastor wanted to translate these songs into modern language so that they were extremely practical. So he did. And when he got done, people loved it and asked asked if he would do the entire book of Psalms. So he did. And then they asked if he would do the New Testament. And eventually, he translated the entire Bible into modern, everyday language. And today, we call that translation the message. Okay? So uh, the professor slash pastor was Eugene Peterson. He was a professor of Greek and Hebrew. So I would say he was qualified to do this. Much more qualified than me and probably you. Um, But here's a direct quote from BibleGateway.com that describes this work. The goal of the message is to engage people in the reading process and help them understand what they read. This is not a study Bible, but rather a reading Bible. The verse numbers, which were not in the original documents, have been left out of the print version to facilitate easy and enjoyable reading. The original books of the Bible were not written in formal language. The message tries to recapture the word in the words we use today, okay? So I'm going to tell you this before we go on. If the goal of the message is to engage people and get them reading the word, it has succeeded with me because for the last 18 months I have read and consumed and saturated from the message probably more than the previous 28 years that I've been alive. Um, The way my brain works, the way my spirit is moved by his spirit. I personally, this is just me talking, needed this translation. Um, It hits me right where I need it and right when I need it, when I, when I read it. So I am not making any theological declarations on behalf of Conduit Ministries right now. I don't have the power to do that, I would not dare. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from and I'm gonna be teaching out of the message this week and probably some of next, so that's why. So there, we cleared the deck on that. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, in closing last week, Pastor Ben shared quite possibly the quote of the summer, okay? I'm going to repeat it for you. He said, God's presence is where you know communion, and his presence exists in community. Okay? That was like the closing line uh, before he had to go last week. God's presence is where you know communion, and his presence exists in community. His presence is what we are after when we gather. His presence is why and what we worship. Okay, um, so I had you turn to Psalms 122, and then I moved over somewhere else, so let me go back to Psalms 122. Verse 1, it says, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. Your Bible might say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. I mean, this guy almost sounds maybe not unstable, but like over the top. I mean, bro, they said, let's go to church, right? What's the big deal? Like, chill. What, King David wrote this psalm. What did David know that I think many Americans, many people have seemed to forget? I'll tell you what he knows. He knows that God's presence exists in community, all right? He wrote in Psalm 22, verse 3, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Jesus Christ later affirmed this in Matthew 18 when he said, if two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. And if you really wanted to cheat and skip all the way to the end of the book, you can go to Revelation chapter 4, and the scene, the scene 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 of heaven says, I was caught up into deep worship, and there was the one seated on the throne. His presence exists in community. Verse 8 in Revelation chapter 4, it says that day and night, angels chant, Holy, holy, holy is God our master, sovereign, strong, the was, the is, and the coming. His presence exists in community, and quite clearly, his presence exists in worship. Alright? See, this is why we gather as a group and we worship. We are lifting up a song to him that he has never heard before. I've shared this before, but I see some new people, so I'm going to repeat myself. Let me grab a swig of coffee. I went to a concert last spring with some awesome, awesome worship leaders, and one of them said, this exact group of people has never been in a room together before. And this exact group of people, more than likely, will never be in a room together again until we're all in heaven. Right? Like, what are the chances of no one else coming next week and all of you definitely showing up and not someone having to go back to wherever they're from or whatever. Like, this this composition of people, this is like a one-time shot. Right? So, that means that, like, I should have said this before we started worship, but right now is a chance to offer to God a song he has never heard before. And he will never hear again until we're in heaven. Like when we come together, we might sing songs that we've done before, but we're not singing any songs that we've done before. Does that make sense? Like we, this is a one-time thing. So um, we have one shot every time we gather to give all that we can to him. I'm definitely not the guy who's going to tell you how you have to worship, what you need to do, what worship has to look like. Um, That's a whole nother message that I probably will never preach, but um, I will take one second. I want to defend some of our freer spirits in the room that might like to move while they worship. Um, This Thursday, the NFL kicks off, and so many people, a sad number of people, are going to, and I'm one of them, so I'll just join that sad number of people, will jump for joy when their team scores a touchdown. And the sad part is some of them are Bill's fans and some of them are Brown's fans. I'm just kidding. But please don't leave. But uh, for real, like we get excited about the dumbest, most temporal, most fleeting things, right? So if people come into church and are excited, I think we should join them. You know, I definitely don't think we should judge them. I think we should be all in. We have one shot uh, to give him everything that we have. So. This is what I want to do. I want to take a quick minute and look at one of the songs that we sang this morning. Um, The last one that we did, actually, Your Love Never Fails. Like, have you ever thought of why we sing these songs? Is it because the words rhyme and it sounds good, or is there actually a point? Um, In Your Love Never Fails, I'll just read it to you. The opening lines say, nothing can separate, even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. The very first line, nothing can separate even if I ran away. Has anyone heard or read the story of the prodigal son? Nothing could separate him from the love of his father, even when he ran away. I said this morning as we were kicking that song off, but Psalm 136 repeats 26 times that his love never quits or his love never fails. Psalm 136. Okay, how about the second line? It says, I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for me every day. In Lamentations 3, 22. You can just write these down. You don't have to turn there right now, but it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see why we sing these songs? When we come together, we aren't just singing music because it is entertaining. We are reminding ourselves of his promises. We are proclaiming them over our lives together. And the thing is, those promises, in my experience, in my life, I've found they need to be renewed in my life. They need to be made new again in my life. I need to constantly be reminding myself of those because day after day, the world is shouting the opposite. And so I need to continuously be building up the truth. All right? So when we do that, we are giving back to the one who gave it all. He wants and he desires and he deserves our worship. I'm going to take a minute and just rag on mainstream radio because I can. And I want you to think of all the dumb and awful music that is played on radio stations and televisions across the world. What does it celebrate? What does it lift up? What is it glorifying? I'll just say it. I would personally estimate that 90% of the music that's on the radio today, maybe 95, glorifies one thing, sex. And it's honestly just gross, okay? Plain and simple. It is sad, it is gross. But for real, who do you think created music? Do you think that the world created music and we in the church copied it? And like 700 years ago, they had a council of maybe if we thou have hymns, people will thou come to church? Or do you think in Tuesday staff meeting we said, maybe if we had a band, people will come? No. This is not a gimmick to attract people. Hopefully, if you think it is, I'm going to pull the scales off your eyes, worship of God came first, and everything else is a counterfeit. Okay? All other music is an attempt to glorify something or someone who is less than the one who deserves our worship. Now, I'm not up here saying that all music is bad at all. I love lots of music. I would name bands right now, but half of them you wouldn't know. The other half would get me in trouble, so I'll just leave it. (laughs) I mean, imagine if I said something like, I really like the Beatles in church. That would not be good, right? That would be, potentially that could be very bad. So I will not say that. I will just move on. Um, But let me put this into perspective for you, and we'll come back around to our goal. All of our music and our art and our creativity that isn't directly aimed at God is simply an attempt to glorify something less. Whether it is a significant other, a man or a woman that we adore, or our ego, when, we lo- when people love our songs, or if it, even if it's just glorifying good vibes in life, it is less. It is partial. It is definitely not the full and complete and joy-giving thing that God intended when he gave us the ability to be creative. It doesn't make it bad, it just makes it less filling and it's important that we realize that. See, things that are less were actually meant to serve us, not us serve them, right? So, like rest is a commandment, one out of seven days. But if we make rest the thing for seven days, it turns into laziness real quick, right? Um, so it's meant to serve us. It's not. We never should serve it. Um, so here's our goal. We want to know what is worship, why do we do it, where did it come from? Worship came from him. Worship is for him. And if you read in Psalms 25, 12, this again is the message translation, but it says, what are God-worshippers like? They are arrows aimed at God's bullseye. Arrows aimed at God's bullseye. Where's that? What is that? Right? Like, does God actually have an end game in all of this? Are we, go- are we really going somewhere specific? The good news is yes. Yes, he does have an end product in mind. He has a plan and a purpose and a direction for you and for me, for everyone in this room, for everyone you come in contact with Monday through Saturday. And that is just one of 10,000 reasons that we need to worship him. Let me read you this from Ephesians 1 to prove, to show that he has a plan. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. You see, that is the target. He wants us to be made whole and holy by his love. And the way he has set in place for that to happen is by joining in gospel community, the place where his presence is found. All right? Two years ago, Pastor Ben shared the three pillars of gospel community as found in Romans 14. It actually, I think, was two years ago this weekend because my little time hop app told me that two years ago we had church underground and you gave this message underground, I remember. So anyways, if you weren't here, I'll fill you in. I'm just gonna cheat and tell you the three pillars of gospel community. Pillar number one. This is all found in Romans 14, but I'm going to give you the flyby today. Pillar number one is welcome others in. Okay? This is a healthy gospel community. Pillar number two, forbear or choose not to be offended by others as they grow and they change. And pillar number three is serve each other. Essentially, it comes down to this. Live graciously together. Show outsiders a welcoming place to belong. When you get the opportunity to be offended, like if I actually did say I like the Beatles five seconds ago, choose grace, God's still working on me, right? And then the big one that we all should be doing as an overflow of his work in us is to serve alongside each other, to serve. Yes, serve together at big events for I am loved, but also just serve in the week to week stuff, whether it's cleaning this building, or mowing that lawn, or making that coffee. Vinny, can I have more coffee? I love you Vinny. Or maybe it's connecting with new people as they come in, or just connecting with anybody as they come in. Whatever it is, maybe it's serving in Conduit Kids. That was anticlimactic. Maybe it is serving in Conduit Kids, maybe it is whatever. I mean we've got a great kids ministry downstairs and we have some awesome volunteers that make it happen. Um, or maybe, and this is where I want to camp out for a little bit. Maybe it's going to Conduit North on Saturday nights for the next few months as they get up and running. Okay, here is the honest truth. This church, 120 Delaware Ave in Jamestown, New York, Conduit Ministries. Thank you, sir. Will you take this one? That is awesome, Benny Majak. Everybody. All right. Um, this church, Conduit Ministries, located right here, is planting Conduit North. We are the mothership, okay? We are the ones that are planting that body and that's making that happen. And we have the absolutely awesome ability to respond to this opportunity and make it an amazing move of God on the north side. I said that we have the ability to respond. I didn't say we have the responsibility. Because if I say responsibility, now it becomes obligation. Now I have to do it. Now you made me feel guilty, right? No, not at all. I don't want you there if you're guilty. Please don't come, right? I want, we want you to take the ability to respond in love and just go sit in those seats and love those people. One is an obligation, the other is life-giving. I promise you, Pastor Cameron did not pay me to say any of this, okay? (laughs) Yet. Just kidding. All right. So here's the thing. Yes, there will be new unchurched people or some people who have left the faith and want to come back around and and will check out our community on the north side. But as they get up and launch this Saturday at 5, I want you to ask yourself could I just go there and sit in those seats and love those currently unknown faces and just be a presence for the next few months? and then still come here on Sundays to 120 Delaware and be part of this gospel community? Like, you're allowed to do that, okay? Maybe you do go there and help with their conduit kids' ministry or their nursery or you do run sound and AV and help with all that. Whatever. But honestly, even just sitting there and worshiping and loving those people is a huge role in the kingdom. It's a vital piece to a healthy community to actually have people participating in the community, all right? I will tell you right now, I'm going to be there and not because I have to. Bryce, who was playing bass with us for the longest time, he's going to be leading worship over there, and he's going to do a great job, and I'm excited about that. I'm just going to go and sit and love people and actually worship with my family, because I haven't been able to do that in a little while, and it's going to be really good. And and I'm excited about it. So I would challenge you to consider the same. So now we come to my one point. When I had the chance to, to preach a few Months ago I came in with three points. I wanted to keep it clear and simple and I think I did, I hope I did. But today, I have one. You only have to write down one thing today and it'll be a success. Here's my point. Church is not a product that you consume. Church is a community that you participate in, okay? Church is not just another form of entertainment. Do I like it? Does it make me feel good? Is it a product I actually want to consume or no? That's not the church as described in the Bible. The church is a community that you participate in. I know we live in America and we are spoiled rotten and have endless entertainment at our fingertips and the unfortunate truth is that participating in a church community has become one of many options. Right? You got sports, you got television, you got kids' sports, you got sleeping in, and you've got church. It's sad, it's true. Here's the thing we were not created to consume. God did not put us on this earth with the purpose to enjoy as much entertainment as we possibly can before we get put in the grave. That was not the the point of this whole thing. We were made to be creative. And we are at our best when we are creating, not consuming. Not just as Americans. That's a whole, that's a message you would hear in November, right? Right before election. Um, no, that's a whole other thing. I'm just talking we as children of God, our Father in Heaven is the Creator, and He gave us the ability to be creative. And that is an act of worship. So my question is, how can you creatively use your gifting inside this community. Maybe it's not music, but honestly, Ben, Corey, Cameron, myself, we desperately want you to creatively worship God in the way that he has created you to worship. You are the one who knows what that gifting is and we need you to share it. This is what it comes down to. True worship is not forced. Anyone and everyone who worships does so because they want to. It is a voluntary act. Pastor Ben just said it. It is a lifestyle. It is an overflow of our redemption. It is not, like I said two minutes ago, it is not a responsibility. It is an ability to respond, right? I'm not up here trying to sell you into anything, not even a little bit. I just quit a sales job, so I'm quite enjoying the break from all that. I'm up here sharing with you that actual worship looks like what we just did for I Am Loved Week. You know that was eight straight days of worship, right? Okay. Multiple opportunities, different demographics reached, and God was glorified through 100% of it. Actual worship is the act of your abandoned heart loving God. Giving back to Him. What counts is the posture of your soul. Worship is about the posture of your soul. John 4.23 says it like this. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Um, When we launched our app Last November, actually I saved this already, Um, we wanted to have a blog, but we never had a blog, so I just wrote a blog and now we had a blog. So so really we just needed content to get it started, and so I wrote this blog on worship just so when you click the tab there was something there. But I read it again last night, and I'm going to share it with you right now, the last half of it. Remember, worship is the act of the abandoned heart loving its God. It works like this worship is an offering which means it needs to cost us something and if it's not going to cost us money then what will it cost us I would say that it needs to cost us the act of becoming vulnerable I guess honestly that's a definition for the word intimacy if you think about it worship needs to cost us in the way that we let go of our walls that we have built between us and God And, you know, it's the nature of man to feel like we have things under control. So to come into worship and tell God that we need him and are not okay without him, it takes some real vulnerability, but he deserves nothing less. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't have it under control. We might have a good job, we might have savings in the bank, we might have our physical health, but at the end of the day, we're broken and we need him. And he has a purpose in mind for us that is far greater than our own. So we need to lay down our version of ourselves and embrace his. My challenge would be for you to take that step with your worship. Don't just enjoy, I said don't just enjoy the music, but remember, who said anything about music? Don't just enjoy conduit, right? Don't just enjoy conduit. Think about, don't think about this as something as designed for you. It's designed for him, and how you participate in here is you're offering back to him. And it's going to cost you something. It might cost you Olive Garden on Saturday night with the family because you're at Conduit North. I don't know. Um, But here's the thing. We need to praise him in a way that costs us something because the price he paid to get us cost him everything. So anything we give that's in our comfort zone, are we really giving? I don't think so. So, um, please don't sit here right now thinking you're going to have to do this all on your own, though. Um, Again, it's not a responsibility, it's not obligation, it's not guilt. It says in the Bible, actually it says in Psalm 127, in the Songs of Ascent, if you go to Psalm 127, just a couple pages over, that you can let your soul find rest in him, and he will empower you to use your gifts. Let me flip over here and oh and i have to say this because this is just funny psalm 127 says don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves the very next verse don't you see that children are god's best gift the fruit of the womb his generous legacy i had just thought about that this morning and i was like that is hysterical like that is so funny isn't it parents anybody We have 2.3 kids, and we're like, "Uh," so, yeah. Anyways, but for real, back to the message. When we are truly at rest in him, we respond freely and gratefully to his work in our lives, and honestly, it just flows out of us. He enjoys, and it is actually an act of worship for us to just rest in him, to just trust him to do what he says he will do. I heard somebody say once, you do the little things like they're big, and he'll do the big things like they're little, right? Finding rest in him one day out of seven is just a little thing you can do. And we make it a big thing here in America because we're always on our phones and we've got whatever we've got to do. We've got important things, right? You do the little things like they're big, he'll do the big things like they're little. Let go of your version of you. Fully embrace the version of you that he has in mind. Another quick story as we kind of land this plane. I was affirmed in all of this four days ago. I had the chance, I had to come here and meet someone and run through some music. I had like 45 minutes. And the truth is, I had been busy. I mean, it was, we had a crazy week ordering sound stuff for Conduit North, getting it to Conduit North setting it up at Conduit North, then taking it down at Conduit North. And it was a lot, but I had been busy. It wasn't bad, it was just busy. But When I got here, this room was completely empty, except for me and this one other guy. We were running through some music. We ran through five songs together. And in the middle of one of those songs, I was belting out the chorus to highest praises, which is just the words, highest praises. We're gonna sing that next week. It's gonna be really good. I was in this room, it was completely empty. Sound system was on, full blast. My eyes were closed as I'm singing, and I was just reminded, this is why I made you. This is what you're created to do, and you're doing it so effortlessly, and it's just flowing out of you, and it's beautiful. And I'm not saying that to say, ha ha, I can sing effortlessly, what can you do? I don't sing effortlessly, but what I mean is this. A lot of you probably don't know this. I spent eight years Out of music. Okay? When I was around 20 years old, I'm 30 now. When I was around 20, I was playing anywhere that would let me, including churches, and I was living like a total heathen the night before. And then I'd show up and I'd play my music, and I just knew I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for him. I wasn't doing it for the people in that church. I wasn't doing it to serve anyone but me. And I knew it was wrong. And so one night I prayed. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to lay music down for a while. When ever I can have it back, I would love it because I love it. It's been all I've done since I was five. And that was that. I had no end date. I thought maybe a year. Maybe, right? Four or five years in, I was pretty sure I was no longer a musician. Okay? I didn't own an instrument, I didn't own a piano, I didn't own a guitar. For three or four of those years, I was pretty confident I'd missed any chance to play again. I mean, other musicians were just doing their thing, and I, I didn't even own an instrument. How could I do my thing? Through a series of completely unplannable events, God brought me here, and he gave me music back. And during those eight years, he had grown me up enough that I could actually honor him with it this time. He made you to do something that feels effortless and that fills you and that more importantly worships Him while you do it, He really did. Proverbs 18, 16 tells us that a person's gift makes room for Him and brings Him before the right people. It didn't say music, it said gifts. So if church is not just a product that we come each week to consume, And it's who you are and the way you live that matters before God. Here's here's the end question. Who are you? And what gifts has God put inside you? And how are you living those gifts out? Today, I'm standing up here on behalf of the gospel community called Conduit Ministries. And I'm inviting you to offer your gifts here. You can email us through the app, you can text us if you have your number, or a foreign concept in 2016, you can come up and talk to us, okay? But please, share your stories, share your talents. We would love to find a place for you to worship Him with those gifts, and we will do our absolute best to manage or steward those gifts wisely, okay? We take this very, very seriously. I want to do one thing as we close, and then we're going to pray over Conduit North. Right where you sit, close your eyes. Okay? And I'm going to put my guitar on. And I want to do something different. I'm going to sing a song that we did last week. It's just one simple chorus. And I just want you to sit there with your eyes closed and think about the words I'm singing. And if you feel when you feel ready or if you feel moved to, join in. And we'll just sing this a few times together. Here I am right now that every person in here that you just pierce their hearts and that they just are affirmed in the way that you've built them to worship you. That they would leave not thinking that they need to sing better or sing more, but that they would know they can just live in their gifting and you'll empower them and you'll give them strength that gifting fits so beautifully inside this gospel community. Just like the rest of Psalm 122 says, it talks about Jerusalem and how it's such a well-built city and all the pieces just fit together. And it's an analogy for, for the church, for the house of God, for the presence that exists in community. We're working together and we're working in our giftings it just flows it's just how he intended it to participate together with all of our unique giftings that all look so different let's just sing that chorus one more time This message, and thank you for all of our unique and individual gifts. We give them all back to you right now. Amen. Amen. Stay seated. We've got some fun stuff we're going to do for Conduit North right now.
1: Hello, everyone. I have a question for you Um, in light of where we've been the last few weeks, in light of where we've been the last few years, in light of where we're going now, in light of um, I Am Loved Week and I Am Loved Events, in light of the book of Luke, (laughs) which you heard from again today, um, in light of all that, here's a question. Couple questions. What group of people keeps a church going? Just kind of a hypothetical question. Just think about it for a minute. I know maybe it seems like a simple answer, an easy answer, but what group of people keeps this church and that church and every church in the world going? It's the, the people. People of that church, the people that believe in that church, that stand with that church, and they and they do uh, obviously lots of things. But they give, they serve, and they attend. Maybe two of the three, maybe all the three, hopefully all the three. They give financially. They serve. They show up. They clean toilets. They they serve snow cones. They encourage. Um, the staff and the people coming in the door making them feel welcome. They make coffee, etc., etc., etc. And they attend. They're present. They're in the pews. They're in the halls. They're ready, available, and willing. Giving, serving, attending. Now, another hypothetical question. Who plants churches? Who plants new churches? Think about this. Who actually goes, like, of course, there are church planters, and there are church planting teams, and there are launch teams, and there are, but, like, hypothetically, and, and generally, and practically, who plants churches? It's, it's, it's the people of the church. The people of the church. Now you're like, well, if it's a church that's not existing yet, how is that non-existing group of people planting that church? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the heart of church planting, is that there is a group of people outside of this non-existent church yet, so to speak, that believe in the mission of a church being started in that location for that community. And whether they are near or far or whether they're from a different denomination or a different state or a different whatever, they believe and they stand with this church plant that's not started yet, and they give financially, and they serve, and they show up, and they clean, and they paint, and they build, and they do things that, that take place in order for this place to be established. And then, a lot of times, they'll attend. They'll go. They'll be the smiling face. They'll be the extended hand. They'll be the hug. They'll be the person that receives uh, the people for this new church. Now, the elephant in the room, which I think is kind of funny, uh, the last several months, but specifically last few weeks, there's been like some some of you and I'm looking out and I'm seeing so many people that I love and I know so well um and I know these guys have probably had these questions as well, but I know I've had uh, this happened several times people kind of tiptoe and they kind of like um so like kind of wondering like like that you feel led to go to conduit north, but then you feel like you're sliding us, or like, so you're like, careful about the question, and like, how do I approach this? And it's almost as if I can't wait to to beat you there, and say, yes, go, go. Now, I want to say this so clearly, and we've said this so many times, but we are two churches, or excuse me, one church, two locations, okay? This is not like, we didn't like Cameron, and we want to get him out of here, and so we sent him all the way to the north side. No, this is a man that has uh, laid it all down to join with us, to partner with us. And as we partner with him to go plant Conduit North. Now, I feel incredibly responsible and just as the three of us are are up here to share a specific perspective, I, I, I know you. And I love you. And I think that You need to hear me say this, that that we've been building up in our teaching, we've been building up in our serving for this moment, for me to say that you should go, you should go. You have absolute permission to go, not just here, not just in your workplace, but specifically at Conduit North. We want you there. Whether you being there is attending, giving, or serving. Whether you being there is an encouraging text, encouraging um, the staff and encouraging the launch team, or specifically encouraging uh, Pastor Cameron and his wife Sherry and their beautiful family in some way, shape, or form. Or whether it's you showing up and setting up are you taking down? Are you making meals? Are you showing up at the front door and maybe you're there for a portion of that Saturday night service and you're welcoming people and you're talking to all the people that are, that are crossing this, or passing by on the sidewalk. Um, join. Go. This is the next step. Jesus built up to this point and even when he ascended back into heaven he it, uh, like so clearly explained today Quint says there was no question of what they were supposed to do next. They were supposed to go and multiply. And that's what we're doing. We're going and we're multiplying. And us going is not us going. It's you going. It's you going. And so this is so, so important. And I just want to give you absolute permission to not just go, but just be. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be the church. Um, I also need to just make very, very clear, which I think I've, I make clear in life, but, and I know Pastor Ben says the same and, and lives the same for this man, but this is a man that has been fully proven um, and, and can be trusted um, and is a leader who leads well and honest with integrity um, and excitement. He's a leader worth following. Um, both as a friend and as a pastor, this is a significant moment that we need to say, and we've said it many times, and we try to live it out, and we try to show that in every way possible, but we need to just say verbally this morning to you that this is a man that you can follow, that this is a man that is with us as we move forward. So Pastor Cameron is going to mention a few things in in regards to the the, the, act,
2: Do what God, do what Christ has commissioned us to do. Go. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Corey. I, I feel like I, I could, could uh, up here and... uh, in, in a very sentimental way tell you how much these two men in particular have uh, meant to me and my family in the last 16 months or so. Um, Words would do it no justice, though. So, I will I will leave that between Lord and I. But um, know that um, it is my my it is the song of my heart, the deepest song of my heart in love and appreciation for them and their families and for conduit as a whole um, to embrace my family and I and um, and to follow as many of you. As many of you have and have done so faithfully uh, in the past eight months, as we've been very intentional towards making sure that September 10th, which is six days, six days away, our launching night for uh, for North goes off without a hitch, and we are uh, we are believing that God has done. Um, and is going to continue to do everything that needs to be done uh, to make uh, make Conduit North a reflection of his glory. Um, Pastor Corey just kind of outlined, um, I guess we'll, we'll call it the freedom for you to go. And since he's done that, I will step into the invitation to come. Um, ...and ask that, uh, that you come. Condo North has some really specific needs. Uh, many of those needs are kind of mirror images of what we need here... Uh, ...at 120 for, for, for regular ministry to occur. And um, to, to just give you flat out numbers... We, ...we need about 30 or 40 people on a weekly basis... And that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that that thirty or forty of you will will commit to, um, at the very least, a four month period of uh, giving, attending, serving at Conduit North. Uh, it means plugging into places like hospitality, being being the Vinny, right? Being the Darren, plugging into places like. Conduit Kids, um, serving our kids, giving giving our kids an opportunity, an experience to to worship God to be discipled in the faith, to have their own place of community, not a a babysitting service so that the adults can do the serious work of worship, right, but uh, a tailor-made environment where kids are discipled in the faith and given the opportunity to worship themselves. But, but we, need, we need adult volunteers to facilitate that environment, to be an example to them, to, to help to lead them. We have, we have needs in nursery. We have needs in the parking lot. We have needs at the front door. Uh, we have needs for people. And so the invitation uh, is, is there. That if you, if you feel like it's a place, an opportunity where uh, you can give a few hours of your time on Saturday evening and maybe even beyond and before and throughout the week to serve the Lord, to serve the city, to serve Conduit North, uh, we want to invite you on that team. Uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, we want to invite you to plug in to what the Lord is doing and will continue to do in that uh, that ministry. Um, Because we believe that, as Corey said and as Ben I think will echo and as I'm saying here, we believe that um, what it means to plant a church is that a church plants a church. That a, that a community multiplies itself to become another community. Who, who knows better about the, the culture and the environment that we're trying to create at, at Conduit North? Who knows better than Conduit? No one. So we're asking you to come on board. Um, and, uh, and to be involved in a very, uh, in a very real way, and we're hoping, uh, praying earnestly that you will answer the call that you hear uh, from the Holy Spirit to do that. Is that. Did not miss any details? Right. Uh, it's been a very, it's been a very, um, you know, like it's been a very strange week. Just speaking candidly, uh, sp- tr- strange couple of weeks. You spend, um, uh, quite honestly, you spend, I spent 10 years of my life waiting for this week, thinking that um, when, it, when it comes, I'm, it's going to be just an insanely overwhelming um, experience, and it, certainly, and it certainly has been, but not in the way that I've anticipated. The, I anticipated high stress, high anxiety, uh, a lot of nervousness. And, um, and thank you, Jesus. Uh, he's just given us a calm, a, uh, a confidence, uh, an assurance that, that, that he has laid the path, uh, that we are to walk it obediently, that we are to work hard, um, but that we've been faithful in the small things, right? So, as Quint said... He's going to be uh, he's going to be faithful in the big things so well it's a pastor Ben who has, um, who has some pretty significant things to share with you. thank you yeah cool um, so
3: we've come out of uh, uh, I just want to tell you it was a very gentle experience I so appreciate uh, the way Quint was used by God today that was uh, that that so you know that was solid teaching um, and it is humbling to be up here as leaders or, or pastors and, and watch a, a an amazing man pastor you mm-hmm. preach to you authentically uh, and truthfully, and then inside that he set the stage for something today that um, that is it is ordained by God. this is not the working of men conduit is not. Uh, the premonition of man, it is a vision of God. And I'm before you today as a product of conduit, okay? So when you say yes to God, he will do something. Pastor Corey is a product of saying yes. Pastor Cameron is a product of saying yes. Quint is a product of saying yes. You as a body, as a people that are referenced as the moving hands and feet and eyes and ears of God on earth, You have said yes. It's humbling. And this is a moment that we come together, and in that yes, in the moment of you being in this room, this is an intimate moment with God. And we are in worship. And this is living out loud. And yes, the clock is ticking, and the kids are waiting, but this this is beyond schedule. This is about heaven on earth. This is about God's design. We are interrupting all of what is normal in our lives to experience what is normal for God. And when Jesus was here, and he had fulfilled all of the work of the law and all of the work of the prophets, and he had fulfilled perfect worship, he had lived out loud. He looked at his disciples and he commissioned them to go into all of the world And through laying out of hands and baptizing through the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they would raise up mighty armies of people who would traverse the globe and bear witness to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And not one of us is excluded from that process today. You are covered in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And his call in the moment is saying, listen, don't further by program and don't further by your best laid efforts, further by my Spirit. And the Spirit has summoned a great man. He is not great of his own volition, but he is great by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, when, when we deal with this, this is, a very, this is like one of these moments, and I shared with these guys before. Um, I, I'm sure it, most of you have had some great ideas, right? You have, and like even some of them, have God has spoken to you. But we feel a lot of the times, and I have been through this in my own life, through success and failure, and ultimately my successes always fell short of what I thought they were going to be. I always felt like Moses, okay, brought to the promised land, and I got to look at what God said was going to happen, but I never actually got to feel it. But I want you to know that today is extremely divine. Because saying yes to God has allowed me to be in an experience to actually see God's plan unfold. And I'm not looking at the promise from afar, but I'm standing in the promise. And I'm getting to see God's promise go ahead of me, and ahead of Pastor Cory, and ahead of a building. God is growing his kingdom, and he's going to use you, he's going to use Pastor Cameron, he's going to use people we don't even know yet. But we have to remember that it is all part of God's plan. And we have to remember that we have to keep it all in the sort of God's way. Now, God has a way. I'm going to read it to you. And then you get to be part of something we've never done here before. This is a commissioning opportunity. This is the moment where we're not going to draw it out, but we are laying out of hands. And in doing so, we're recognizing Cameron as a pastor and a shepherd in the kingdom of God by the power and the witness and the presence of Jesus through His Holy Spirit. This this is a great day. This is not a normal day. Trust me, this ain't just church. You're not showing up thinking, oh, we're going to do the bulletin today. No, we're doing the Bible today. We're doing God's plan. It's remarkable. And it's humbling. Now, what gives us the privilege to commission Him? First, it's God's Call, through Jesus, who bore witness to his disciples. And then this is, what, this is what Paul testifies to Timothy. These are the characters of an overseer, of an elder, of God's church. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace or into a snare of the devil. Period. That is the qualifications for a pastor of God's church. A preacher, a leader, an elder. Wow. I want to tell you that this man, there's three things I'm going to share with you, because this hopefully isn't the first time, this is the first of many. A gift, a character, and the call. Those are the three things that we are standing before you today. Sherry, would you come up and join us today? Um, the gift. It's my one wife. One, one <laughs> wife. One <laughs> wife. The gift, the character, and the call. He who seeks this office, all right? This, this is the call. Cameron's had it on his heart. And, and he, he functioned inside this. You know, Paul saw, Saul, who was Paul, functioned inside the church. And he, he was thinking he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, but then God reminded him, no, I have a plan for you. And Ananias came in, and, and, and through direction of the Lord, he was to lay hands on Saul and call him into the ministry that he was made for. Today, uh, Cameron never persecuted the church. I don't take it that way, but, but, but Cameron functioned inside religion Okay, And then realize, you know what, there's something greater. God had something on my heart. And now today we as a body are functioning as Ananias and we are laying on of hands and through the power of the Holy Spirit commissioning him into his call. He no longer will kick against the goad or the reminder of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what I mean, ask him about his story because because he rejected what God called him to. But he isn't today. Amen? Amen? And I know after a year of 15 months of walking with him intimately in household that he is a man of character so i know his call and i know his character and by all good graces you have been taught the word of god you know his gifting amen uh We get this amazing opportunity before we go pick our kids up, before we go back into what real life is. This is a collective act of worship. And I'm going to invite you, those of you who feel uh, that you want to come forward or extend your hand towards Pastor Cameron and his wife Sherry, because let me tell you, this man could not do the dedicated service to the church without a wife who fills an incredible gap. This is a missional mom who makes sure that there is time and space for him to do the call that is on his life, and he honors her, and he loves her, and he creates a place for her to do her job amazingly well. And so when you pray for North, you're praying for Pastor Cameron, and you're praying for his support staff named Sherry, you are praying for the well-being of his household, and you're praying for, for the good graces of God over his children and the promise of children to come. It's altar of prophecy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Lord pastor, have mercy. <laughs> the Lord have mercy.
3: Coming into this, so you have to know that when you're a pastor, you are a father to many. This is a role that, that he is embarking out, and he will not be alone, and he is not without accountability, and he will not be without prayer. But he is stepping out today because we're kicking him out. Amen? Amen? Go into all the world and baptize in the name of Jesus. Amen, brother? Amen. All right. Amen. Um, wow, such an awesome day. Greatest day in our history, truly. This is, this is a Bible day. This is God's way. So if you just extend your hands, if you feel called to come forward, if you want to pray on your knees, I don't care what it is, but give, let's worship together as a church, amen? Father, we come before You, and it is not by the power of men, or by the doctrine of our own good plan, but it is by the call of Your Son, Jesus. It is through the teaching of Your Holy Word that we come before You, and we lay hands on a man who has a call, who has a gift, and who through your grace has character. A man to be a leader in in your church. A man to lead the fatherless. A man who will extend his arms over the widow. A man who will lead men to manhood. A man who is leading a charge that is guaranteed to be uphill. But Lord Jesus, we know that there is victory at the top. God, we come before You and we ask that Your Holy Spirit be poured out over this man for greater understanding, greater patience, an unreachable depth of gentleness, mercy that abounds without limits from left to right as sin has been cast, God, from eternity to eternity. And Lord, that He will embody the fullness of Your grace in His home, in His heart, and in your church, we come before you, Father, and we just ask that your Holy Spirit come down and, and bring lenses that are pure and holy that give him sight for what you have. That, God, you will be the hand at his back through good witnesses of your saints. And, God, through your invisible presence that gives him the courage and the strength when it seems impossible. Because you have guaranteed that nothing is impossible with you. Holy Spirit, will you just pour your ever-loving presence out over this family and that they will lead from the inside out, God. That you will give them all of the love and it will be overflowing. You will give them all of the provision and it will be overflowing. That you will give them all of the kindness and it will be overflowing. That Lord Jesus... That they will become a presence of humility and generosity on the north side. That they will bring healing in their touch. That they will bring healing in their words. That Lord Jesus, you will use your holy word dynamically to pierce the hearts of the lost on the north side, God. Lord, will you take the doors away and will you make every sidewalk point to that building? And let that be a temple that is filled with your presence. Yes. And Lord, will you, will you cause Pastor Cameron and his wife Sherry and all of the team that surrounds him to be the best welcomers in this town. Yes, Jesus. Father, we, we come before you and we know that the call has been raised forward. It has been resonated from the depths of this man's heart. But it is your power that engages the call. And I just pray now, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, engage your call, Cameron, Amen. and that you be so filled with His presence, that you do not deviate the truth or from the truth, because you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where yes. is the power of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Testify your great presence through this man, through his family and through his leading. God, let him raise Jesus up every day. Father, as this church stands, we send this man into the kingdom to baptize in your name. And we celebrate his sonship, his husband God, and his father, his fatherhood. Protect this man in the name of Jesus. Guard him with your holy presence. Deliver him from evil. Keep him from temptation, God. And let his character grow in your ever-present grace. In your name we pray. Amen.